Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. So Vic, do you think you might have ADHD? Well, listeners keep emailing me telling me that they think I do, so probably. Mind you, listeners also email us saying we talk too much about your mum's feet. So what do they know? Yeah, fair enough. I honestly had no idea about the connection between overdrinking and ADHD until we started this podcast. About 40% of people that have had any sort of drinking issues also apparently have ADHD. Whenever we chat to ex-drinkers, this comes up more than you'd believe. If you have ADHD or suspect you might or just want to learn about this link, then we would encourage you to check out the I Have ADHD podcast. It's the place where adults with ADHD find research-based information, validation and tons of support. This is the best way to feel less alone and hear some of the answers to the questions you've been sitting with for too long. You'll hear detailed descriptions of what it means to have ADHD and enjoy interviews with the foremost experts in the industry so that you don't have to read those ADHD books that are collecting dust on your shelf. Yeah. Listen to the I Have ADHD podcast and learn how ADHD affects every aspect of your life. From the boardroom to the bedroom. In the podcast, you'll also hear about their ADHD coaching programme, which is called Focused. Focused is made up of three pillars, courses, coaching and community. It is designed to help you build your own self-improvement programme and is perfect for the ADHD brain. And you can get $50 off the course just by using the code SOBER, S-O-B-E-R. So if you're tired of feeling stuck and don't know where to start, listen to the I Have ADHD podcast. The kettle's boiled, Vic. Great. Perfect timing. Just a dash of milk for me, please, mate. Here you go. Shall we get started, then? Have you ever woken up on a Sunday morning and said, I'm never drinking again, and then found yourself waving 50 bucks at a barman by happy hour? Are you wondering why everyone else can stop at one, while you head to a dodgy after-party with a weird bloke called Disco Dave? If so, it might be time to take a deeper look at your relationship with your reliable social crutch, alcohol. On each episode, we'll investigate our own dysfunctional dealings with booze and find out if it's possible to stop this deeply ingrained habit before things get too messy. Yep, we're going to open up a shame shed of humiliating drinking stories to help you understand why waking up from a booze coma each weekend with a kebab sticking out of your top pocket might actually be negatively impacting your health. Hamish and I are here to delve into what it's like being sober, an unwanted warts and all look into why giving up those cheeky pints or putting down those mummy wines will make you feel happier, help your anxiety and mental health and turn you into the most sparkly authentic version of you. Won't that mean I become boring though, Vic? Well, Hamish, we'll just have to wait and see. I'm Victoria Vanstone. I'm Hamish Adams-Cairns. And this is Sober Awkward. I feel like you're going to have a good answer to this. Right. What is the least sexy thing you have done recently? Oh, just generally everything I do is the least sexy thing. Okay. Yeah, I tell my husband about hairs in my chin sometimes. Yeah. He's like, that's disgusting. I don't want to know about that. I'm like, it's not disgusting. It's my hormones. Deal with it. (laughs) 
The only reason I ask this is I have recently started taping my mouth shut when I go to sleep. Somebody else was telling you about taping their mouth shut yeah. in their sleep. It is not sexy. I actually did think it was for menopause. It's something that people do during the menopause. Oh, really? Yeah, to stop hot flushes, apparently. Okay, so no, it's just that nasal breathing is better than mouth breathing at all times. Okay. In all situations, including exercise. So this just guarantees that you at least nasal breathe for eight, nine hours a night. Yeah. Um, don't try this at home. What I try and do is watch the show that we're watching, generally agree that now is bedtime, then tape up. Because I have made the mistake of taping before the show, and then Liz asks me questions, and you just... Taping with what? Masking tape? No, it's a paper tape. You only do a little strip down the middle, so it's right. not like the whole of your face. Right. Just a little strip not down the middle. Kidnaps, I not kidnap no, level. not kidnap style. And I quite like it now. I find it quite comforting. Okay, I might try it. Because I'm a terrible breather through my mouth. I always wonder whether spiders are crawling in. And I'm really? always... Yeah, I'm a terrible mouth breather. Okay, tape up. Yeah, that's why I can't give head very well. <laughs> And that is something we all need to know. <laughs> if you're thinking, I might chat up Vic, and you're thinking, well, actually, she's not good at head. There you go. It's true. Stop it's chatting actually, her up. It's actually true. <laughs> too much information, it's a Victoria. Lot of information. Yeah, too much. Sorry, guys, that was a bit heavy. <laughs> was it heavy? I don't know. It wasn't heavy enough. Oh, I think maybe we'll have to edit that bit out. I Hamish. don't think so. I don't think so. <laughs> anyway, Hamish is taping up his mouth at night, which is very odd. I yeah. don't think we want to go into that anymore. <laughs> I am going to give a trigger warning for me for what I'm going to say. Yes, trigger warning for yourself. <laughs> yeah, but also on today's episode, we're going to mention domestic violence. So we thought you guys should know that. The reason we're talking about domestic violence a little bit today is because of a weird situation that triggered me. Mm-hmm. This week, Hamish. Okay, yes. So the, you'd written an episode and then something happened this week. You said, Ham, the whole episode has to change. Something's happened. Yes, I thought what I wanted it? to talk. I reconsidered not doing it. Because okay. I thought, actually, no, on this podcast, we want to talk about everything, don't mm-hmm. we? And sometimes we avoid topics because we don't want to do them wrong because they're so heavy. Yeah. And this is kind of one of those topics because mm-hmm. we never want to offend anyone. And, you know, we don't want to say the wrong thing. and We don't want to give the wrong advice. Yes. So, but all we have, me and Hamish, in this podcast is our own experiences. So I'm going to tell you about an experience that I had that affected my life that I thought I'd forgot about, but perhaps I hadn't. Okay. Um, you know, I'm going to this boxing class. Yes. The sign on the door is, this isn't a bakery. I don't sugarcoat anything. Nice. And you go in and it's this amazing woman who was an Olympic judo player. Is it a player or I a team go member? Judo. I would go fighter. A judoist. And she was a fighter for Australia. She's just an incredible trainer. And you go in there and you just have this incredible session. And I thoroughly enjoy boxing, always have. But I've never got in the ring with anyone. I've Mm -hmm. never hit anyone. I've never done anything like that. But last week, she said, right, Vic, I think you're ready. You're going to get in the ring. You're going to have a spa. So I've been doing all this training. And I thought, okay, well, I'll give it a go. And I got in the ring. I didn't have a mouth guard on. I didn't have a headpiece on. And first of all, we were just kind of slapping each other. Mm. You, you do it without any gloves on. And it's, you know, you, you do slap a little bit hard, but it's just quite good. And you have to try and duck out mm. of the way. And you're, you're learning all your boxing moves at the same time. And then she's like, right, put your gloves on. And I was just moving around. I wasn't thinking anything of it. And suddenly I got a right hook mm-hmm. in my cheek. I fell back onto the ropes and I was a bit shocked and it didn't hurt. Mm-hmm. The only emotion that I had was I felt instantly like crying. Interesting. 
right? And I didn't know why. And I was really embarrassing because I welled up and I said to the girls, I've got something in my eye. I'm fine. They were like, are you all right? I'm like, I'm fine. It was just a bit of a shock. I wasn't expecting it. I don't know why I wasn't expecting it because I was in a room having a boxing match. And I didn't know what was going on with me. I was really kind of acting really weird and I just walked out of the classroom and got in the car. It's making me emotional now. Mm. And I burst into tears, Hamish. I didn't know why. And I thought, gosh, what's going on with me? Why is this making me feel weird? And I realised that the last time I had been punched in the face was by a man. Yeah. Yes. So, yes, sorry, my voice is breaking a bit. But that's the truth. I didn't didn't have... I'm getting sad, sorry. That's okay. Take your time. I didn't know that I still had emotions about that situation. (laughs) So I thought I needed to share it with everybody because I think I just brushed it under the carpet and just looked at it as a shit event that happened in my life. and never really perhaps dealt with it. Yeah. So here I am, everybody, going to talk about it today. And it was a, a situation I got myself into with a guy that perhaps wouldn't have happened if I'd been sober. So that's the interesting thoughts that I had about it afterwards. And I went and told the boxing teacher, because I thought, I've just walked out. She's going to think there's something wrong with me. And I just walked up to her. Everyone had left, and I just went, I thought I'd come back and tell you. This brought up emotions in me. It's triggered me because the last time this happened to me was in this toxic relationship Mm. that I was in. And she actually said it happens a lot in her class. People are there to fight back sometimes, and sometimes it comes up, memories are jolted, because it is something that's happened to a lot of women in their past and it it, it triggers it. It really got me questioning why I had got in that relationship in the first place. And that's what we're going to talk a bit about today. Why do we get in these relationships that are toxic and why do we stay in them and what the role is that alcohol has to play in all of that? I wanted to share this today as it is my story and I realise this may be different from other people out there. So I can only speak for myself when I say I believe that my alcohol intake, my promiscuity because of that and a potential low opinion of myself when drinking had a part to play in me ending up in this horrible situation. I'm not saying that situation was my fault by any means, Mm -hmm. but the lead up to it and me staying in it had something to do with booze. You could have ducked out at some point, at some stage, you think, if you hadn't been drinking. I think so. I think I wouldn't have been in that situation at all Mm. if I'd been sober. Yeah. Before we get into it, let me just say thank you for sharing that story. That's okay. Because there's no need, you don't need to do this. You don't need to share that story. Yeah. This doesn't have to be a conversation that you have on the podcast, but you've chosen to which is obviously not easy um, and takes a lot of bravery. And I'm sure there'll be someone listening will go, holy shit, yeah. that relates to me too. Um, so thank you before we get into it. Yeah, it's, this will not be one of the funnier episodes, I no. don't think. <laughs> so, I don't think it will. So, but that's yeah. the reason I'm doing it is because I have realisations sometimes about drinking and about sobriety and about my past and what makes me who I am. And that situation even though it was shit, Mm. has made me who I am. And I can see that now and I I take from it what I need to, which is that I've become stronger and that I do do boxing classes and I do want to fight back and I do want to talk about these things Mm -hmm. because a lot of women have been through this more than you could ever imagine. It's something like two-thirds that have been in some sort of violent situation at some point. And quickly, just for the time frame, when was that? 
fit more than 15 years ago. I think it was about okay. 2007. And you don't think you've thought about it too much in between now and then until that moment I've, you got hit? No, I think about it and I think, well, that was a shit situation. I have spoken about it in my book because yeah. it, it does relate to my life. Ask. It relates mm. to everything. And I do think it has its place within my sobriety journey, that situation. Yeah, it happened a long time ago. I don't dwell on it yeah. because I don't, well, what's the point? What can I do about it? But perhaps emotionally, it never came up in my in my therapy, for example. Okay. I never, ever spoke about it because I just brushed it under the carpet and thought, well, that was shit. Let's get rid of it. I never need to think about it again. That was just a fucked up situation. Mm. But perhaps that punch has shown me that there is something I still need to deal with and perhaps that mm. I maybe do need to get therapy about, which would be helpful. Possibly. Do you now not want to spar again? Do you think that will happen again? I think perhaps I'm not interested in hurting other people. Yeah. It's not something that I want to do. I think I'm going to have to have a conversation with my boxing teacher and say, look, I love coming for the training. I love coming for the exercise and getting fit. But I'm not sure that me being in a ring with someone is something that I want to learn how to do. Yep. I don't want to learn how to punch someone in the face. Mm-hmm. because of perhaps that reason so i think i will try and still go for the training but i don't want to do the sparring anymore yeah fair enough yeah i don't know how that's going to go down quite honestly but we'll see we'll either be boxing next week or we won't be yeah so today we're going to have a chat about decision making when pissed and where it leads us now i'm sure we've all had a few regretful one night stands some sloppy snogs in alleyways some head over heels in love moments whirlwind romances and the odd long-term dud. <laughs> I think that's about right, isn't it? I like it, yeah. All these romantic interactions turn us into the people we are today, as I said. Learning lessons that lead us to the right partner in the end. I certainly had to kiss a few frogs before I met my princess. A princess. I don't like it when people say, this is my princess. Right, it's princess. Bit, it's creepy. Yeah, it's... Right, princess is all right, but going, this is my princess, and you point to your wife or That girlfriend. would be weird if you it's did that. It's a bit... Can you do it? It's a bit girly. Can you? Can we do a secret thing where you start doing it to Liz, but see what her reaction is? But do it in public places so she can't like give you a reaction. Who's my pretty little girl? (laughs) Here's my little princess, my wife. Oh, it's awful, isn't it? (laughs) I felt bad I've even said it. Yeah. You could say I had to water a few dead plants before I found my (laughs) blossoming tree. I like it, Hamish. I had to live through some bad experiences to fully appreciate just how good I've got it now. Me too. I know for a fact I would never appreciate the man I married if that messed up situation with my ex had not happened. Unless John turns out to be another dud. Imagine being described as a dud. <laughs> it's, it's a very pointed, a dud. one syllable, oh. but you're a dud. Oh God, a dud. It's like the most <laughs> offensive thing. We went out for 12 years, but then I realised you were a dud. <laughs> It sums, yeah, it sums you up pretty badly, doesn't it? I reckon John's safe. I reckon you've got a keeper. He's, you, he's a world-class one. Do you think? Yeah. The hairy keeper. The hairy keeper. <laughs> like Hagrid. Yeah, he's a bit like Hagrid. <laughs> We've all been there, crying in our cornflakes of broken hearts, questioning where it all went wrong, wondering if we're enough and why the rash from that fumble in the tent at Glastonbury is still itching. <laughs> well, today we want to find out the role booze has to play in all of this. If we met lovers when drinking, were our relationships destined to fail from the get-go? And can booze become the only thing that two people have in common? Yep, certainly. It certainly can. It certainly can. I want to start by saying, Hamish, one thing I never did after that situation with my ex was seek support from anyone. I partly felt like it was my fault and hoped to just brush it under the carpet and forget about it. 
which I thought I had, but I guess our clever bodies keep a score. So I hope today that we can give a little advice on how to avoid choosing someone that doesn't give you the love that you deserve. And you can guess already, Haim, what the best way to do this is. Eating plenty of carrots, is it? No, no, that's for seeing in the dark. Oh, sobriety? Yes, of course, it's sobriety, Hamish. So let's start by chatting about some ways we met short-lived sweethearts in the past. (laughs) Short-lived sweethearts. That was one-night stands. I thought it's a nicer way of saying... Because sometimes there's nothing wrong with a one-night stand. Nothing wrong. It can be a short-lived sweetheart, and that's okay as long as it's consensual. Short-lived sweetheart to me sounds like they passed away soon after you had your way with them. (laughs) That has happened. So where were your usual pick-up points? We're talking, we're talking about here about the start of a relationship. Okay, yeah. Apart from the public losing Clapham Common, Hamish... How do you know about that? <laughs> where were some places that you met <clears throat> ladies? Well, see, you've written a huge list, yeah. which we'll get to in a moment, and I'd looked at your list and it made me realise you were much better at picking up people than I was. Yeah. My list is very, very small. Dance floors music festivals okay i was never one and you might have been that could just walk up to a table of strangers at a pub uh, sit myself down and just pick up the hottest girl in the bunch do you come here often do you come here often get Mm. your coat you pulled uh (laughs) the other one on a dance floor if we were both drunk enough this was the key for my dance moves to look half decent to both of us yeah i might get lucky enough to get a kiss so dancers are quite handy Otherwise, my tactic was friend zone the hell out of a girl over multiple years, wait for her heart. <laughs> so patient, Amish. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then wait for her heart to be broken, and she slowly realizes that I'm the only man left, <laughs> and then marry them. That is hilarious. That is my, so, my pickup point really is just a Ye- long, long game. Years in. Years, years of in, work. Years in, like, f- like family, friend amount of years that you've known them. I actually think that is the best possible way to meet someone. I think that's the long, that's the easiest way for a long-term relationship. Absolutely. But it's not cool. No. Cool is your list of places you picked up people. It's not cool when you're getting various venereal diseases, Hamish, from these... Not now, but at the time, I reckon if you were, like, 16, like, guess what? i got chlamydia. I'm like, that's pretty cool. They've had sex. <laughs> True. Yeah, who had thought chlamydia could be cool? <laughs> yeah. I just have a cold. I'm not happy about it. No, no, I've got chlamydia. <laughs> Sweet. <laughs> yeah, nice one, mate. <laughs> So where I met lovers originally was at clubs, bars, pubs, dance floor, planes. Yeah. I hope to share a taxi from the airport. Uh, it wasn't just a <laughs> desire to do the my no, high just, club. I could sit next to someone. If they were mildly good looking, I'd be like, all right, we can get this on. Yeah. And then we'd get... Did share- you ever pull in a plane? Yes. Yeah. Many times. Yep. Mile high club? No, I never did it in the toilets. <laughs> I don't want to do sex in toilets. <laughs> just doesn't appeal to me. Festivals, kebab shops. Kebab uh, tax- shops. Yeah, just, just pause after the club, yeah. sharing a chicken biryani. The garlic breath, though. I'm impressed. No, who cares about garlic breath when you're 15 <laughs> pints in? <laughs> no one. Uh, taxi ranks. Yeah. Sharing a taxi Similar. cheaper as well. It's always to do with my finances more than <laughs> anything else. Yeah. The gutter. I met a lot of people in the gutter. Um, I met an ex that I was with for two years. Hello, Aiden, In a bar in Thailand. And all he said was, I've never met him before. All he said is, are you coming back to mine? Yeah, no. I was nice. all right then. I'm off. That is confident. I, I like was with it. him for two years from that one line. Yeah. No other conversation. <laughs> how, how attractive was he? <laughs> he was lovely, yeah. He must have been. Yeah, he was nice. He's obviously done that chat up line in the past and it's worked. Yeah, it worked. Worked a treat. I was like, yeah, I'm coming back Just to yours. Skip all the bullshit. Yeah. Come back to mine. Yeah. 
<laughs> I moved in about a week later. John was actually the first person I ever met for lunch um, with no alcohol on yeah. a date. Yeah, so that just proves I was looking for something different subconsciously. Mm-hmm. As you can hear, all of the places we met partners were in environments that were surrounded with alcohol. When in these establishments, it's likely that if you're listening to this podcast, you were probably very inebriated when the initial interactions took place. There was probably a bit of pint downing, some inhibitions getting flushed down the lav, and as the drinks piled up, the chances of you going home alone becomes less likely. And before you know it, you're in a weird bloke's flat, Flipping through his record collection, wondering why he has a Craig David album, eh, Aim? Imagine. I've never met a girl that just had a flat full of Craig David albums. Oh, that would be your dream woman, wouldn't it? That would be my dream woman, yeah. Yeah. Ah, well, I married a different woman. Yeah. (laughs) Not my dream woman, but my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Most of these sexy run-ins don't go anywhere. They're just what both parties set out to do. A consensual one-night stand that ends in an awkward kiss on the cheek, a fake number written on a beer mat, and perhaps herpes. They might not be a person you would have hooked up with without five tequila shots, but you had fun, and even though nothing will come of it, it's part of your sexual adventure. No problem. The latex rubber glove situation is a bit cringy, but nothing, hair of the dog won't dissolve. What, the latex rubber glove situation? Yeah. Yeah, let's not go into that, Hamish. Uh, I don't think we need to know about better that. Better left unsaid. <laughs> yeah. In case the mother is listening. <laughs> oh, my mind is reeling. <laughs> but what happens if from this rendezvous in a nightclub, you decide you quite like this person and you start a relationship with them? Is starting out a partnership after meeting in a club okay? Statistics show that the most successful relationships happen when people have been friends for a long time before. Yes, go my long-term plan. Yes, go. In fact, two-thirds of relationships start in this way, with either a work colleague, school or uni mate, someone in your group of friends you've known for a while. Interestingly, people are meeting less at clubs and bars than ever before. 60% of gay couples first meet online compared to 28% of heterosexual couples. And meeting someone by chance is not very common now either. People are more in charge of their dating lives, it seems, than back in our day, Hamish. But even though people are meeting first online sometimes, the initial rendezvous is usually drinks and dinner, all in places drowning with booze. Hamish, why do you think it's a bad idea to start going out with somebody when all you do is get wasted together? Yeah, it's never a good foundation to build a relationship on. No, I don't think so. I think people get pissed on a first date to avoid awkwardness and yeah. then the hope that, well, we'll just talk better if we're drunk. Yeah. But it's it, they're leaky foundations. Yes. <laughs> Particularly because I think when you are drunk, everyone is attractive and it's better to figure out if you actually fancy the person you're on a date with sober. Yes. I mean, it's such a fundamental thing, isn't it? You've got to fancy someone. But if you're drunk and hammered, it doesn't really matter who they are or what they look like. You're like, just mate, come on, let's go. Absolutely. And then there's the connection. I think when you're meeting someone for the first time when hammered, you're not sure how real the connection is between that person, are you? Mm. You are having feelings that are fake because of the booze that's pumping around in your body. We get on with everyone after a drink and everyone is funny. Yes. Maybe figure out the truth before that. But also, Hamish, it means for us, because we're like that, that everyone is a potential sexual partner. That's also true. That was the point. <laughs> it's like we've got the pick of the crowd. There's no, like, shoving a spear in a barrel for a fish. Yes, but We're see, like, we've got the whole ocean available to us. Your experiences, everyone was available, so you had sex with lots of people. Yeah. For me, everyone was available, so I just felt very, very rejected because I never had sex with anyone. <laughs> Yeah, I was the one stabbing the spear. You were just like, had a fishing rod that never caught anything. <laughs> you've, written, you've written here, don't dribble on my tie. Yeah. Um, but that is actually 
a genuine thing is in that you can fuck up a great date with a wonderful person by going in drunk. Yes, of course. What if you go in drunk and they're not drunk? I think it's kind of like expected that you would have one or two drinks before a date to calm the nerves. Yeah. What if you go for it and they are not into that and then you're the only drunk one? Yeah, and it's the be- it's the one. And she's the best person ever or the best person ever. Oh, I'm. you'd feel awful. Imagine that hungover. Yeah. You'd just be like, oh God, I met the best person last night but I was absolutely hammered. Troubles on their tie. Yeah. Why are you wearing a tie to a date? I always wear ties to dates. <laughs> It might seem a bit of an intense thought for the first date, but if you're going to end up spending years of your life with them, most of this will probably be sober. So figure out what they're really like. It might seem a bit of an intense thought on a first date to think long term, but if you are going to end up with a person sitting opposite you for the rest of your life, hopefully most of that life is going to be spent sober. If one or both of you drunk, hopefully it's just like periods of being drunk most of your life is sober and shit gets real dull when kids enter the frame so you want to figure out that they are nice and reliable sober rather than a bit of fun when they're drunk yeah there's more to people than their drunk selves isn't there yes it does take a it took me 25 years to realize that though yeah (laughs) so emotionally financially geographically and for the long-term physical and mental health the person that you choose to spend the rest of your life with is the most important decision you are likely to make in your life it might be a good idea to make this important decision while you're sober yes Vic is it ever a good idea to start something when drinking no it is not a good basis for love I'd say Hamish but of course we're not talking about everybody here I actually you know drank with my husband when I first met him we went on dates and we got pissed Um, we understand lots of couples meet after a few bevies down the dog and duck and they also go on to have happy relationships nothing wrong with that but what about when people stick together for no other reason than booze they stay together because they're too sourced to do anything about it you end up staying in the wrong relationship because of booze Give us a few examples of you staying in relationships that were not suited. Example one, Hamish, is my beer goggles. My judgment was often skewed when I first met men. I was drunk and I'm a romantic, so I daydreamt that they were the perfect person for me. Even on a first meeting, I was already kind of signing my signature in their surname. I never waited and I always jumped straight in. I didn't consider if he liked me or how much I liked him. I was a bit naive with men, I think, Mm. growing up Hamish. I just went for it. My take on that is, and I bet you might have it as well, when you've got beer goggles plus you're a people pleaser, you take someone home that you don't fancy, and then I never really knew how to sort of break up with someone that you've had a one-night stand with. So they would just sort of fizzle for a bit. Yes. Or you would keep texting them, you don't fancy them, or you would ghost them and then feel awful. That is just not a cool way to treat anyone. It is a definite people-pleaser issue, perhaps, staying in relationships for too long. I've written here that I am non-confrontational. So there was other reasons why I stayed in relationships was because I was shit at finishing them. And I just thought I'm going to plod along with this and hope that it works out. And of course it never did because I wasn't really happy happy but i was just too scared to upset someone Mm. and then you get to the stage you're like i hope they break up with me yeah because i don't know how to do it and then you probably start acting out going that they should break up with me i'm not behaving myself and then it's just really toxic it's ridiculous isn't it because i often uh, this is the word i'm going to use which is really weird i felt obliged tamish to stay in relationships sometimes i just thought it was the right thing to do because everyone else was doing it and i just thought well i should be in a relationship too so therefore i'm going to forgive the faults of the person that i'm with 
because perhaps that's what people have to go through. I thought relationships were more like challenges that you had to forgive people's weird behaviour and just get on with it because that's what makes something strong. But actually that was always my biggest mistake in going into any relationship was that I left myself at the front door and it all became about them and helping them and making them better and and lifting them up rather Mm. than them lifting me up, if you know what I mean. Well, is that saying that relationships take a lot of work? Yeah. And I think that one side of that coin is what you've just described where you go maybe this is just the work yes this is really hard but maybe that's just what people mean when they say relationship take a lot of work i actually think relationships should take no work to sort at the start and then yeah a relationship that lasts years takes a lot of work but the the beginning bit should be fun it should be you should be surprised by how little work it is i think i'm always amazed when people i know people have met the person that's right from them because they just say oh my God, it's easy. Yeah. It's suddenly easy. Like, what's happened? And I always feel really pleased when people say that. And I remember saying it about John when I met him. I was like, Mum, he's just so easy. Mm. There's no problems. There's no weirdness. There's no ghosting or he doesn't text back or it's just become really, really easy. And that's how I knew. And I think relationships are supposed to be easy, actually, even in the long term. You might have your ups and downs, just little things here and there. But I think a really solid relationship is easy. Absolutely. Example two, Hamish, love this, is low self-esteem. Alcohol meant I didn't really care about myself or my body. As we've heard, I gave myself away for the enjoyment of others, which resulted in me being stuck with people that were not suited to me because I was too pissed to care. So you were happy that someone said yes, basically. Yeah, and I was willing to do put the work in because I didn't really think my opinion of the whole thing was very worthy. Mm -hmm. Awful, really. Example three, the sheep. I did what everybody else was doing. My friends slept around, so I did too. They had boyfriends, so I did too. I just followed the crowd. When in fact, I should have waited until I really liked someone. I should have dated someone, you know, gone on a few nice walks on the beach and done all the normal things you should do in dating rather than just sleeping with someone and then being in a relationship with them. I call it upside down love, Hamish. Mm -hmm. I started relationships the wrong way round. I slept with them first and then found out they were wankers. Yes. Whereas I should have found out they were wankers and then not slept with them. Then slept with them. Yeah, (laughs) then slept with them anyway. This is interesting. So you mentioned the fact you you slept around at bars and clubs, whatever. Were you actually a big dater? No, I never dated. Really? Okay. Never dated at all. No. If I started a relationship, it was because I'd slept with them. Yeah. Yeah. So you go on a date after you've had a one night. I never had dates. Still not. Yeah. 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 Never had dates. It was either I slept with you one night, never saw you again, or slept with you and then we started some sort of relationship. I'm the same. I reckon I've been on less than five dates in my life. Yeah. I think maybe if things we were single now, Hamish, things would be different. We'd be dating like Lucy is. Like five, you get five different dates in a day nowadays. (laughs) What if if someone that she's dating is listening to the podcast? She's not. She's not having five dates in a day at the moment. She's met a lovely man. Actually, you're the one. Yes, exactly. (laughs) I could never have had a successful relationship, Hamish, because they all started with booze and they ended with booze. I was drunk, so I would have thought a plank was fun and outgoing. Quite Mm -hmm. honestly. I drowned out everything that I had in common with people. So I had no idea who I was or who they were until it was too far along for me to get out. I thought about this today and I remembered that particular guy. And I always thought he had a funny look in his eye. So you met him in a bar? I met him in a bar. And when I met him, I thought he's quite smart. He's quite intellectual and he's quite funny and good looking. And I thought all of these positive things. I never stopped to question him. But I always thought he had a funny look in his eye. Okay, Mm -hmm. which is an odd thing to say. But I was too pickled to listen to my gut. 
I think maybe my heavy drinking diminished what my gut was telling me. Maybe we can't hear our intuition when alcohol is involved. Sure. So your short-term lifestyle led you into having low self-esteem, which in turn led you onto a relationship that was toxic. Is that right? Yeah. So over the years of heavy drinking, alcohol gave me a low sense of worth. And I stayed with that guy because I didn't feel good, which in turn made me not strong enough to leave. The more unkind he was, the more I hated the fact that I didn't leave. So the more I drank mm. and the cycle went on. A classic case of a battered wife that is too downtrodden to leave the perpetrator. How long did this go on for? Two years. And how long from the start of it until he started hitting you? Well, he only hit me once. Okay, yeah. Uh, it was only or, or one situation. Emotionally abusive he he would do of... things. I was so naive. I am. Um, I always see the good in people, Hamish. Yeah. And that is part of my problem. I always had hope for people, even if they acted strangely. Mm. And I've never been around someone who wasn't very nice to people. And when he did things that weren't very nice, I just thought, oh, that's weird. Mm. Like, why is he doing that? Maybe he's drunk or maybe he's in a mood. Or And I would forgive it because I think, oh, that's how odd. I didn't really consider the fact that he was potentially just a bad person. Yeah. I just thought, oh, that's a bit strange, his behaviour, and I kind of let it go. Whereas, in fact, I should have been culminating all of these weird behaviours and going, mm. actually, this adds up to somebody not being emotionally well. Do you know how early on you started seeing red flags? Very early on, really? I would say. Yeah. I've always left people in the past, but I'm going to give this one a go. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to try and be there for him through his hard times. And if he has a bit of an anger issue, I'm going to try and support him through it because that's perhaps what you do to have a successful relationship. Because all of my past relationships had not worked out. I thought, right, I'm going to try and do better in this one. And I'm going to support him through the bad because that's right. what you're supposed to do. Whereas, in fact, that was the biggest mistake I ever made. Do you think any of this would have happened if you weren't a drinker? Good question, Hamish. I don't blame myself for what happened, but no, 100% this would never have happened to me if I was sober. He, of course, was to blame for that one violent attack. He was a bit of a psycho, it turned out. But if I had not been a drinker, I could have worked out earlier what he was like and been strong enough to leave, I think. <laughs> it was the alcohol and my bad behaviour and my failed relationships made me choose somebody that wasn't suitable to me. I would have never have gone home with him on that first night. I would have never accepted his attitude, never found him attractive, never laughed at his jokes, never mm. considered being with someone like him. He was not compatible with me. He wasn't a nice guy. But alcohol meant I settled for someone that was not good for me. It wasn't my fault. I blame the drug. Alcohol affected my decision making. Simple as that. And the dangerous thing about alcohol in this situation, which I'm sure other people can relate to, is you were pissed when you met him, which meant you went home with him initially. And then he was horrible during the relationship and you turned to alcohol to deal with, with that as well. So you're yeah. sort of in this horrible cycle that sobriety seems a long way away. Absolutely. In fact, sobriety was never on my radar then because I wanted to numb him out. Yeah. I felt really unhappy and I wasn't sure what to do. And I was just going along with, with what he wanted all the time. And I just felt completely lost. And I totally lost myself to mm -hmm. him. He chipped away at me very, very, very slowly, which is what these kind of manipulators do. They chip away at you until you think every situation is your fault. And your example was quite extreme, but I'm sure anyone who feels disconnected with their partner at any stage can tend to drink. Well, let's just drink because when we drink, we get on. Or when yeah. we drink, we have better sex. Or when yeah. we drink, everything seems all right. Uh, you know, it doesn't need to be as extreme a situation as yours for people to resort to drinking to just spice up a relationship that seems to have gone a bit 
Duddy. It's either spice it up or numb it out, yeah. I think, is the, is the two choices that you have. And I think if you meet someone when you're drunk, you're used to getting drunk with them and that makes everything okay. So you just continue to do that, even though you've probably got nothing in common with them, mm-hmm. even though the relationship is obviously failing, you just continue going because it just seems too hard to leave. Of course. So I want to take a moment here to have a quick chat about domestic violence, if that's okay with you, Vic. The World Health Organization estimates that roughly 55% of all domestic abuse perpetrators were drinking alcohol prior to the assault, and women who abused are 15 times more likely to abuse alcohol themselves, much like we said. Yeah. So it's twofold. The abuser is more than often drunk, and the victim tends to turn to alcohol to numb the abuse. Either way, people are stuck. Scary stats, Hamish. I think alcohol means you can miss the signs that a person could potentially be harmful one day. Like we ignore all those red flags to do with alcohol, Mm. we can also ignore relationship red flags for a long time as well. It means you lose the choice and you jump in because they seem nice after a few drinks and then you're in too deep. If you don't mind me asking, Vic, what what were those signs for you with him? You said he had that look in his eye that you didn't quite trust what else came up yeah I didn't trust my intuition with him at all actually Um, I actually knew that he'd beaten someone up before oh he told you that he told me that but I just kind of laughed it off I don't even I don't think I took it seriously that's how naive I was I didn't take it seriously he called me a few names when he was drunk. He called me a bitch once. And I was mm. like, oh, that's weird. Like, wh- why is he doing that? I thought maybe it was because where he was from or his culture or right. made him more aggressive or more you know, abusive. Um, he made me feel insecure, of course. He shoved me a couple of times. Mm. He kind of shoved me over. Always when he was drunk? No, not or always when he was drunk. Aggressive guy, yeah. He just wasn't very nice to me. He was cruel about other people. Just random strangers, he'd say horrible things about people's appearance, which I thought wasn't very nice. Anyway, he was just angry and I drank it all away. It was very subtle until it wasn't, I guess. I wish I'd been sober, Hamish. I would have trusted my instinct more and tuned into myself, loved myself enough to leave. But we live and learn, Hamish. Sure, I could have done without that whole situation, but I guess it's part of my journey. So what happens when you stay with someone with whom all you do is drink together? I mean, there's intimacy at first. Like when you are with someone in a relationship, their touch is different, their eye contact is different. So therefore you have a knowing of who that person is and you can be intimate with them without any weirdness. Sure. You also realise faster that you have absolutely nothing in common with the person. If you're both sober, you'll realise, oh shit, nah, we just get on when we're drunk. Yeah. It's all invented. It's all alcohol-induced it's not real. Yeah. If a relationship is covered in booze, you get bored of each other. There's nothing new. All you do is get pissed together. So mm. there's no, there's nothing good in that, is there? Nothing flourishes from that. Of course. As a proof of that, there's a higher rate of divorce if both drink. That's 60%. It can affect finances. So if you're both boozing together every night or every weekend, mm. that's going to cost money, isn't it? If you're going on big benders. Yep. So that leads to stress, which leads to arguments. So it, it plays a role in your finances as well. I would love to know the, the percentage number of arguments that are to do with finances. Yeah, a lot. It's got to be high, isn't yeah. it? You need alcohol more and more to be with that person. This is the issue with addiction when you realise that you're not really with the right person and drinking seems to help that. Yep, for sure. You accept behaviours that are not okay and you put up with them because you're too pissed to leave. The next point's interesting. We said more conflict. Both of us drunk with our partners when we met them. Yep. And the way I look at it is we got lucky. 
because that is a volatile situation. We could have said the wrong thing, we could have cheated, we could have had an aggressive episode. All of those things are on the table if you are both drinking a lot. Yeah. So we both got lucky. We ended yeah. up being with the right person and then going sober. But not everyone gets lucky like us. Yeah. There's a lot of danger in the air of drinking a lot with a potential partner so much so hamish did you ever find that different alcohols made you feel different ways so i know when i drank red wine i would get all emotional and sort of a bit right, angry yeah, yeah. and white wine i would get a bit moody mm-hmm. and gin is supposed to make you cry yeah, and yeah. i think all the harder spirits are supposed to make you aggressive yeah i do think there's something in that stella is an aggressive one. Oh, yeah supposed K-Sider, to be a bit fighty isn't it yeah one. I was such a lightweight that I quickly realised that any kind of spirit is not for me. Right. So I was pretty much entirely beer or cider. Okay. Pretty much just beer. So I was quite lucky. And, and I never drunk and got fighty. Like I never wanted to go out swinging and hit anyone. <laughs> that doesn't surprise so me. So I was sort of, yeah. I, I, I was one of the people who you probably wouldn't be able to tell if I was drunk when I was drunk. Oh, really? I was quite good at holding it together, yeah. Okay, so that's good. So it didn't cause you more conflict, but it does a lot of people. Oh, yeah, for sure. In my last relationship, all of our arguments were because we'd had a drink. Right. I don't think I've argued with anyone in my life sober, but drunk in a relationship, arguments about... Because then things that the argument is not about come up, as it always. Oh, yeah. That's when it goes really messy, isn't it? Think pulling things out of the past. Yeah. You did this, you did that. you start logging them, I'll save that one. I will save that one and bring it up on a choice moment. I do think relationships start to fail. In my experience, when you start saying, like, you are like this and you are like that and accusatory terms being flung around, or the worst one is, you are like your mother, you are just like your dad, or like all of these things that you bring up from the past to use against someone. Mm. I mean, it's nasty. It gets nasty. For sure. All of this can lead to low self-esteem and you end up feeling not worthy of happiness, which is a really sad stage to get to. Mm -hmm. Everybody is worthy of having a happy relationship if you want one. Resenting each other's habits. I would suggest that that can still happen if you're sober. Yes. You live with someone long enough, there are little things that they do which will start to really piss you off. (laughs) That is so true. (laughs) Even things to do with like leaving the cat off the toothpaste should we have a quick chat about any habits that our Mm. husbands and wives pick us up yeah towels on the floor toilet seat up Mm -hmm. Uh, there's loads isn't there I am hyper aware of Liz's trick of telling me I'm really good at things which are jobs that she doesn't want to do oh yes I do that too hey you're the best doing the bins yes Yes. you just don't want to do the fucking bins John's the best at at doing the bins men do the bins though don't they you're the best at nappies it's a bit sexist but we like that men do the bins we don't want to do the bins (laughs) (laughs) bins and nappies one problem that can happen is if one person stops which of course is brilliant and then the other one doesn't like it that can cause ending. all sorts of conflict. That happens a lot. We yeah. get emails about that constantly. And finally, obviously, there is no true connection. It's not real love if it is alcohol-soaked. Yeah, and alcohol takes the authenticity out of new romances and longer ones. You possibly make poor decisions and end up with someone who influences your drinking and thinks you're a party pooper if you don't join in. Either way, pouring alcohol all over any relationship will set it alight. Better off just doing it sober, being genuine so you know when someone is a complete dick or if you're lucky and found yourself a long-term forever partner also there is something to be said about being happy on your own yes i think we are stuck in some very old-fashioned ways in life 
you don't have to have a partner if you don't want one. And if you've had these toxic relationships, the best thing is to just be on your own for a while and enjoy that and get to know yourself and love yourself without having to be codependent on somebody else. It's a sad reality that a lot of us feel more afraid of being alone than we do about being with the wrong person. You go, well, at least it's companionship. Yeah. At least I'm married because everyone else is married. At least I've got a boyfriend or girlfriend because that's what you do. Like, the fear of being alone is vast. It completely washes your senses and your logical mind of going, well, I don't want to be alone, so I'll just stick with this person because, you know, they're not, they're not that bad. Yeah. You know, they've got some thoughts, but they're not that bad. I could just stick with them forever. I think that has to do with the identity, doesn't it, Hamish? Mm. That we can't identify as someone who is alone, like we talked about in the last episode. But actually, I think identifying of somebody that lives alone would be absolutely liberating, wouldn't it? And go, I'm happy with who I am and being alone in my own company. I don't need somebody else's bullshit. I think, Hamish, we need to give our lifers a shout out today. Oh, our princes and princess. The prin- oh, our princess. <laughs> oh, John the prince. And we prince couldn't do any of this if they weren't behind us, looking after our kids or hanging the washing out or giving us moral support. It might have taken us both a few rounds to get there. But as we said, all the fuck ups we've made lead us to where we are today. I think our advice today is to start it well, not at a taxi rank at 5 a.m., Go and meet sober. Go for walks and cinema dates. Hold hands in garden centres. Take it slow and listen to your gut because you are sober and you can tune into what it's telling you and avoid getting stuck in relationships that should have never started in the first place. If you are actually suggesting that I meet up with someone at a garden centre for a date... I can't, I can't live with that. Oh, there's some nice garden centres around, Hamish. No. Yeah. <laughs> that would be that would be the red flag for me. We could pick a gnome together. Yeah. No oh, place like gnome. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> that would be a red flag. Should we meet up at the local garden centre? Like, fuck no. <laughs> I'll do anything else. Imagine oh, Bunnings. I, I, I totally disagree with you. Yeah. I'd love a date at Bunnings. I'm all up for sober dates, but like, let's do something fun. Yeah. Let's go... Come on, then. Come on then, yeah. My first Skydiving. My, my first was paintballing. I was like, I hate paintballing. Why would you go paintballing? Paintballing. Hamish, go to a garden centre. Take Liz to a garden centre this oh. week and come back after and tell me that you didn't love it. Okay. There's usually a little cafe. You can look at ornaments. There's some nice plants. You can get some herbs for your garden. It's a very sober it's, thing it's to do. It's great when you're married to them, but as a first date, let's get to know each other and go buy a gnome. It's odd. It's definitely odd. <laughs> this is a toxic relationship. It's a good thing you're not single. <laughs> uh, of course, remember that everyone is worthy of love, even us too, Vic. Yeah, it's true. And that took me a long time to accept when I even met my husband because of that shit situation. It took me a long time to understand that I was lo- worthy of the love of someone else. Mm-hmm. I wasn't just in this because he liked me. I was in it because I liked him and I could see that he was a good egg. And I only did that because we spent so much time together sober very early on in our relationship. We weren't drunk all the time like I'd always had been. I hadn't met him in a nightclub. So therefore I was able to see the good in him yeah. and the good twinkle in his eye rather than me being worried and not listening to my gut. I have a theory on this and I've never figured out a way to word it without sounding like an asshole. Okay, that's fine. You it's often to, sound like an asshole. Yeah, it's to do with this worthiness of love thing. I think that the key to a happy relationship is to have complete confidence that the person that you're with could choose to be with anyone in the world, but they've chosen you. Yeah. And you also could choose to be with anyone in the world, but you've chosen them. Mm. 
That sounds arrogant because, of course, I could not be with anyone in the world. But I think having that confidence that you have something to offer anyone and your wife or husband or whatever has got something to offer anyone, but you've chosen each other. Yeah. And reminding yourself of that as often as possible is a good life goal, good relationship advice. I totally agree with you, Hamish. I think that's lovely. And also just understanding that sometimes it relationships change. Mm-hmm. And like for us, we're in that stage where we just kind of meet each other in the hallway with a bottle of milk or we're changing the bed because Freddie's pissed the bed again. Yeah. Like there's stages and there's chapters to it. And our chapter at the moment is that we're so busy that we're exhausted and we pass out in bed at eight o'clock at night because we've had such a huge day. Mm-hmm. But there's going to be another chapter and we accept those chapters and we don't have huge expectations of each other. And I think that is the basis of a good relationship is that you accept that sometimes things aren't always going to be all lusty and all madly in love all the time and that you are creating a a long-term friendship with someone. I Mm -hmm. think that is the most important thing. It's not about sex and hanging off the chandeliers and all of those things. There's going to be chapters in your life where things change and that doesn't happen and you're going to feel different, especially when the menopause is coming up Mm -hmm. and all of those things. Relationships change like humans change and it's about accepting those changes and just trying to stick with it if it makes you feel good amen to that amen to that hallelujah god we're like fucking experts on this aren't we hamish i feel like i feel like we're oprah (laughs) we are i'm a bit like we are a bit like oprah or jerry springer (laughs) let's write a review for our own podcast and describe us as oprah hamish is so much like oprah winfrey and vic she's so funny like jerry Jerry. springer Let's have some quotes. Sometimes you need to give up on people, not because you don't care, but because they don't. Nice. That resonates with me hugely, Hamish. I should have given up much earlier with that toxic one. And this one is from Robin Williams, one of my favourite humans ever. I used to think the worst thing in life was to end up all alone. It's not. The worst thing in life is ending up with people who make you feel all alone. Yeah. Good distinction. Yeah, it's good advice. So, yeah. Booze, relationships, doesn't always work, does no, it, Hamish? it doesn't. It's kind of a toxic entity that can make everything go wrong. So stepping into anything sober is always going to be the best choice for any relationship. I'm going to hand it over to you, Hamish, because we're going to end with a email that we got from somebody. Yes. So this one is from Katie from London. She emailed us at vicandhamish at soberawkward.com. She is over seven months sober now. And she her first email to us when she was 12 weeks sober. So she's been listening to the podcast for some time. She said, firstly, I just want to say a really big thank you for your podcast. I woke up from a pre-Christmas dinner party after drinking too much wine and decided enough was enough. And I didn't want to have another day filled with anxiety and shame. We can all relate to that. Yes. I found your podcast that very same day and I genuinely don't think I could have done it without listening to you both and Lucy. I started from the beginning on my daily walks. You probably hear this a lot as you should, but just in case you don't, your podcasts aren't just going out in the void unheard. They are really helping people like me. I've done sober weddings. Listening to Hamish's experience with this really helps. Sober hen weekends, sober ski trips, sober summer holidays, sober Christmas and New Year's sober birthdays. I've even turned down free champagne a few times now i really do feel like it's a newfound superpower doing this alone would have been so so much harder but doing it listening to you both has made me feel like i'm not alone so thank you i just need to figure out how to give up sugar now like you yeah. now that's a real addiction for me <laughs> oh, i love you. it i love that little end there it's like oh i'm, I'm doing really well but i'm not 100 yeah, perfect positive oh, positive yeah. positive positive here's the real truth nobody's 100 perfect no. we're all a bit fucked up sugar is a tricky one 
I want to say thanks for everybody for listening to this episode because I realised I was a bit blubby and a bit tearful at the beginning. You know, I think it's very important to share our past and our histories and find out why it makes us who we are. And I think if you are struggling with a partner who is toxic or has been aggressive to you, the best thing for you to do today is to reach out for help, whether that's a helpline or go and see your doctor or talk to a therapist. Just talk to someone, even if it's just your best mate. Sit down and have a chat about what's going on share the reality of the situation because i wish i had done that and i would have left it a lot quicker thanks for listening everybody bye if you're questioning your relationship with booze you're struggling to moderate or your hangovers are causing anxiety it might be time to reach out for some support Yeah, just talk to a mate about how you're feeling, contact a local doctor, find an AA or sobriety group. Vic's got one. Yeah, just head to www.cuppa.community. Remember, if you're questioning yourself, it might be time to seek support. Even though this journey can be awkward, it is definitely worth it. And if you've enjoyed the Sober Awkward podcast, don't forget to review it, rate it and share it with your mates. Do they have to share it with their mates? Yeah, of course they do. I'm not doing this for nothing, Hamish. Bloody hell. How do they share it? Hi there. I wanted to tell you about a podcast that I think every single one of you will benefit from. It's called Therapy Works and it's hosted by me, Julia Samuel. I'm a best-selling author and psychotherapist. I invite you into my therapy room where I speak to either a known or unknown guest. Topics range from the difficulties of divorce, a life-changing illness, to the struggles of motherhood. Search Therapy Works now wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe to make sure you never miss an episode. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves better than a drugstore card. This Mother's Day, surprise her with a truly special personalized card from Moonpig. Add your favorite photos, a heartfelt message, and we'll even mail it for you the same day, all for just $5. From mom to grandma, we have something to celebrate every mom in your life. Every mom deserves a Moonpig card. 
Get 50% off your first card at Moonpig.com. Moonpig.com. So, as you probably know, my comedy memoir, A Thousand Wasted Sundays, is officially out. All my magnificent fuck-uppery in one awkward hit. If you'd like to get your hands on a copy, it's now available from all good bookstores. We always say all good bookstores, don't we? Yeah. Are, there, are there bad bookstores? There's probably ones with moody, moody or, sellers. Oh, yeah, really yeah. depressed librarian folks. Yes, yes, okay, yes, good, yes. Good. So there are probably some, but we're only storing it in the good ones. It's only made it into the goodies. Yeah. You can also get it from all good online retailers. The print version and ebook are out now, and the audio book will be available in March. I've been writing my memoir for five years. It will make you laugh, cry and cringe and hopefully inspire a few people to reconsider their relationship with booze. If you love the podcast, then I think you'll love the book, even if I do say so myself. Hamish has read it. What did you think? I feel like I know a little bit too much about you now, to be honest, Vic. Look, I really loved it. It was hilarious and surprisingly moving, but I feel like I've seen you naked in a literary sense. Does that make sense? (laughs) Yeah, that's worrying. Yeah. Yeah. From an emotional point of view, seriously, it wobbled my teeny-weeny wooden heart, Vic. Okay. (laughs) My teeny little wooden heart. His his wooden heart is broken. Anyway, so if you do manage to get your filthy mitts on a copy, please do me a favour and head to goodreads.com and give me a review. Doing that will help me get it out there to those that need a bit of sober support. So there you have it. My story, unwanted warts and all. Come and get awkward with me. Not to be too demanding or anything, but seriously, go and buy it Yeah, now. go and buy it. Go and buy it right now. Yeah, don't just tell your friends. Buy it and then buy your friends one or two. Yeah, yeah, don't give them a copy. Yeah. Buy it, yeah. And you know what? Don't be careful where you store it. If you lose it, you can always buy another yeah, five. Yeah, buy another one. Yeah. 